Hey friends, welcome to the Collide Midweek Podcast. These episodes are recorded every Wednesday night at our midweek gathering for those of you who may have missed it or just want to hear it again. We hope that the following episode encourages you to know, grow, and go in your faith. Hey everybody. Uh, so like they said earlier, my name is Darren Hudson. I get to work with, ooh, that was loud. I get to work with Just Grads to 20s. Uh, it's the Thrive Ministry, and to be honest with you, I've been doing it for two years, and I love it. I love getting to walk with people through their journey and seeing what God's doing. One of the other things I love to do is I like to come here and kind of get the chance to talk to you guys and, and teach and kind of pour my heart and what God's been doing in me and hopefully communicate the words of the gospel to you. And so I know that KB loves teaching you guys every single Wednesday night. I know that he loves being here, and so the fact that I get to be here is an honor and a privilege, and I'm so grateful for that. Before we dive into the sermon, before we dive into all of this, I got a starting point question for you guys today. And the starting point question I have is, what does your name say about you? What does your name say about you? See, with some of you guys, you already know this. You know, when people hear your name, they might think of the athlete. They may think of the academic. They may think of the hard worker. They may think of things that have nothing to do with your actual character. It could be, well, you're part of this family, and we know what that family's like. At least that's how it was when I grew up. But there are all these things, all these identities that kind of get wrapped up in our name. And we've got to be really careful because what happens is we end up letting the world define us. And so that's why the title of this sermon, the the point I want to get across is I want to talk about what does God call you? What does God call you? You see, when your parents made the decision to name you, there was a purpose and a reason for it. I don't know what that purpose or reason was. You may not even know what the purpose and reason was. You may have inherited a name from a grandma or a grandfather, you know, an uncle or an aunt, or somebody that your parents wanted you to emulate. They wanted you to carry on the legacy of the family. You may have gotten a name from somebody famous because your parents wanted great and glorious things for you. Your parents may have flipped through a book and saw these attributes associated with a name and said, hey, I want my kid to be like that. And so they named you that. They may have found a character in the Bible and said, man, I love the way they interact with other people and the way they interact with God. And I want my child to be like that. You could have been born and your parents looked at you and go, man, this kid reminds me of my first dog. I'm going to name him Wolf. I don't know the reason why. I hope it's not the last reason. Okay. It might be. I've seen some of you guys. Um, Anyway, not the point. Sorry. Back on track. The point is, there's a reason you have your name. And so I want to introduce you guys to two people, okay? The first one is this picture right here. This is my four-month-old boy. Now, one stipulation, because I'm kind of sharing my life with you guys. If you think my baby is ugly, because some babies are ugly, just don't tell me. Like, I think he's a cute kid. I like him. But I'm also a little bit biased, okay? So, he's a cute baby, I think. Um, anyway, so something happened when Bethany and I decided to be parents. When we decided to pursue that journey of bringing a child into the world, we started thinking, what do we want for our kid? What do we want for our child? So we started thinking about the names. We started thinking about the things that we wanted in his character, in his very being for him to emulate. So his name is Caleb Craig Hudson. His name is Hudson because, I mean, he's my kid. I didn't have a choice on that one. 
His name is Craig, because if you guys have heard me speak, you've heard me mention a man named Dr. Craig Childs. The last 10 years, Dr. Craig Childs has poured into me like no other man on this planet. He is my mentor, he is my friend, and he is my spiritual father. He has walked through every single valley and shadow that I've had to walk through with me. And what I love about Dr. Craig Childs is when I'm sitting on his couch and I'm talking to him about the pain and suffering of this world, when I'm talking to him about the doubts of my faith and all these things that are internalized inside of me that make me question who I am and make me question, worst of all, who God is, he always goes and says, hey, let's look and see what the Bible has to say about this. See, Craig Childs, his foundation for the, the way that he views the world is the scripture. It is the rock of Jesus Christ. And so that's my prayer. That's my hope for our son. I want him to be the kind of man that when life hits and it gets hard, he doesn't falter because his foundation is as firm as Dr. Craig Childs. But then we also named him Caleb. We named him Caleb because in the Old Testament, there's this man. And that's the other character I want to talk to you guys about tonight. And Caleb is about the manliest man you could possibly find in the Old Testament. I mean, he is a guy that conquers giants and mountains. He does these phenomenal things for God. But what I love about Caleb most of all is that he's one of three people in the Bible that's, that said he wholeheartedly followed the Lord his God. And that is my prayer for my son. I want him to be a man that wholeheartedly follows the Lord his God. This past weekend, you guys had this, this amazing experience where you got to hear people talk and tell you, you need to be all in for the faith. And so what I want to talk to you about tonight is I want to talk to you about the power of a name and what it looks like when God intervenes in your life and he changes your name from what the rest of the world calls you to what he wants to call you. Because it's a big deal. You see, a little bit of Caleb's background. Caleb came from the tribe of Judah. But there's a little bit of a hiccup there. Caleb wasn't actually a Jew. See, Caleb was a descendant of a guy named Esau. You see, you had the Israelites who descended from Jacob, and you had Esau's descendants, and they became the Edomites. And the Edomites and the Israelites hated each other. You can read through the scriptures. You can see how they fought with each other, and they warred with each other constantly. See, Caleb was outside of the people of God. He was not one of God's chosen people. So then how did Caleb become from the tribe of Judah? But God. See, the God of the universe, he loved Caleb so much that he plucked him out of an enemy of his people, an enemy of God, and he said, no, 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 I want you to be mine. And so he plucked him out of the Edomites and he put him into the center, into the tribe of Judah in Israel. And he says, no, you're going to be my servant. You're going to serve me and I'm going to rescue you. And I pray that that's everybody's story in here. I pray that we have the story of being from the outside and God in his loving mercy pulling us in. Because that, that is the story of Caleb. In fact, it's kind of interesting. If you, if you go through a, a baby book with all the names and the descriptions and you look up Caleb, you know what the description is? It's loyal, faithful, wholehearted. There's one really, really big problem with that description of the name Caleb. That's not what Caleb means. Caleb comes from a Greek or a Hebrew word, and it means dog. 
Yes, I named my kid Dog. And there's a lot of different theories on why Caleb was given this Hebrew name when he came to be a part of the tribe of Judah. Here's my theory, and this is the one a lot of other commentaries kind of seem to fall into. And that's this. The people of Israelites didn't like Caleb very much. See, the people of Israel liked their people. And so when they saw somebody from the outside that was going to inherit the promises of God, they were frustrated. And so they had this derogatory term that they called him. They called him dog. But God calls Caleb something different. And I'm telling you guys, this world, if you're following God, if you're wholeheartedly pursuing him, this world's going to call you a lot of things. And most of them are going to be derogatory and they're going to hurt and they're going to be painful. But I'm telling you this, if we wholeheartedly follow God, God's got a different name for us. And that's the name we need to pursue. So the first thing that Caleb did was Caleb believed the covenantal promises of God. Caleb believed the covenantal promises of God. I really struggled with this part. And here's the reason why. I hate using words that I have to explain. I don't like being a, a human dictionary, okay? But there's a really important part of this, and, and that's that word covenantal. You see, too many times we look at promises in the Bible, and we love to claim what God's going to do in our lives. We love to claim all the blessings, but we forget the human responsibility or the obedience part. See, God in his gracious mercy and his love for us, he enters into a covenant with us and he says, you're my people. I saved you, I redeemed you, I brought you from the outside, I brought you in, but I have work for you to do. So do it. And if you do my work, if you follow me, if you pursue me, if you do those things, I will bless you. And Caleb knew this. You see, the people of Israel, Israel came out of Egypt they got to this land of Canaan, and God tells Moses, you need to send 12 leaders, one from each tribe, to be spies in my land. And so God sent 12, or Moses sent 12 men in. He sent Joshua and Caleb and 10 other men I don't even care to mention, mainly because I can't pronounce their names. And what happened is, is Joshua and Caleb got into the land, and they looked at the land, and here's what they saw. They saw fields that were already plowed. They saw Orchards that were already prepared. They saw vineyards already planted. And they said, this land is good. And then the other ten, they walked in. And here's what they saw. They saw fortified cities. They saw fortresses. And they saw giants. And they said, we can't win. So they go back to the people of Israel. And all the different spies tell their stories to the people of Israel. And everybody starts to get upset and they start to complain and murmur and say, we can't win, we can't do this. And, and this is what Caleb does. In Numbers 13.30, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go up at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. It's the first time in the Bible we hear Caleb speak. And his word is, let's do this. He was ready to go to war. I love that about Caleb. But some people read this text and they go, eh, it might sound a little bit arrogant to think that he can go and take on a bunch of giants. But he wasn't arrogant, he was confident. And let me tell you what he was confident in. He was confident in the covenantal promise of God. See, he remembered in Exodus 23, God told the people of Israel, but if you are careful to obey him, 
to following all of my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you for my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezrites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, that you may live there and I will destroy them completely. Here's what Caleb knew. Caleb knew the only thing he could do was be faithful to God to go in and fight the good fight. He knew that God would be with him. He knew that God would win the battle for them. But he also knew my responsibility is to go fight. And so he was willing to do that. Unfortunately, the people of Israel were not. And so Caleb didn't just have to be willing to follow the promises of God. He had to be different. He had to be a different kind of man. We have to be different kinds of people. Guys, you're going to hear voices all around you telling you to ignore the promises of God, ignore the call of God, ignore what God is asking you to do. And that's exactly what we see in Numbers 14. Numbers 14, when the whole community began to weep aloud and they cried out all night, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. Literally, they had this chant all of the people of Israel, you're talking about millions and millions of people, and they're saying, we're going to die. We would have rather stayed in slavery. And there's four men, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb. They're the only ones that are standing up for the covenantal promise. They're the only men that are willing to fight the good fight. And so God in his righteous anger, tells Moses, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the planet and start over. I'm done with these people. And Moses beseeches the God of the universe and says, no, 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 God, show your great mercy and love. And so it says that God relents of his anger. He says, okay, here's what's going to happen. The 10 spies who weren't in faith to me, they're dead. They failed to obey my promise. They rebelled against me. And again, in God's righteous anger, they died. And he said this. He said, for 40 years, my people are going to wander through the wilderness. For 40 years, they're going to walk in circles. And they're not going to be allowed back in this promised land. Until every single one of the people who are over the age of 40 and rebelled against me and yelled with their voice and said they would not go. Until every single one of them dies except for Joshua and Caleb. But he says something special about Caleb. In Numbers 14, 24, he says, But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I'll bring him into the land he, he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. Here we see that word. Loyal to me. Remember what I said we describe Caleb as now? Loyal it's not because mankind gave him that name. It's because the God of the universe did. The God of the universe looked down on Caleb, on this dog. And he said, he believed me when nobody else did. He stood up for me when the world told him not to. That's loyalty. 
When it says he had a different attitude, other translations say he had a different spirit. This guy was just weird. He didn't fit in. See, if he wanted to fit in, he would have fallen in line with the other ten. He would have ignored Joshua. But he didn't. He said, I don't care what lies the world says. I don't care that they say we can't win. I know a God that if I'm on his side, I'll always win. Guys, there is not a doubt in my mind that the longer we stay in this world, the worse it seems to get. The harder the battles are. And I'm telling you, if you stand on the word of God, if you stand with that foundation and you just speak the truth, you're going to be called a lot of things. You're going to be called hateful and bigoted. Those are lies. It's not hateful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's loving and it's kind. And it's different. It's so different than the rest of the world and what they tell us. Every time I preach, I try to give a little bit of a warning. I try to give this warning. I try to give this this kind of anti-prosperity gospel. Because here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear that Caleb did what he was supposed to do and so he got everything he wanted. No, in fact, it's really interesting. When God punished all of Israel and said, you're going to walk in the desert for 40 years, you know who walked with them for 40 years? Joshua and Caleb. See, Caleb had to learn to be patient on the promises of God. And a lot of us might look at that scenario and go, whoa, 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 that's not fair. Why would these men who followed God, who did everything the way they were supposed to, who acted the way they were supposed to, why would they have to suffer the punishment of walking 40 years in the desert? And there's a really, really simple answer. And that is we have a good and just God and we live in a broken world among broken people. While Caleb and Joshua were faithful, they lived amongst the people that weren't. And so they suffered the penalty of sin that wasn't theirs. I truly believe that you guys know that feeling. There's people in here that have suffered death. They've suffered abandonment. They've suffered friends that are no longer with them. You guys have suffered. And you've been through those valleys of the shadow of death. You've been through some dark times. And it's so easy in those dark times when when the suffering of this world hits you, especially when you know it's not because of a consequence of your sin, that it's so tempting to question the goodness and the justice of God. But I want to show you how Caleb reacted because the way Caleb reacted is what God calls us to do. Joshua 14.10 says, Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised, for all these 45 years. Since Moses made the promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. Think about that. He waited on his promise for 45 years. I can't wait 45 minutes in a takeout window. I have no patience. But he waited 45 years. But what's really interesting is he doesn't just say, I waited 45 years. He gives credit and honor to God. He rejoices and is grateful to the God of the universe. He says, he has kept me alive and well. This man is 85 years old and he's ready to go to war. And he recognizes the only reason why he has strength in his legs and in his arms is because the God of the universe preserved him for a purpose. 
telling you guys, the God of the universe wants to preserve you for a purpose. Don't let the sin and the suffering of this world, don't let the brokenness distract you from that purpose. Don't let it make you doubt God and his goodness and his graciousness and his power because Caleb didn't. No, he remained faithful. You see, because God wants us to be faithful because God is faithful. Remember that Caleb was an outsider and he was brought into the camp. He was a dog that was called loyal. You know why Caleb was easily able to say, I've waited 45 years for this promise? Because he was holding on to the other promise that the God of the universe saved me and redeemed me for a purpose. And I don't care how long that purpose takes because he's already saved me and brought me into the fold. And so I'm going to be faithful to him. I'm going to pour in to him. I'm going to do the things that he's called me to do. And I'm going to be confident about that. Joshua 14, 12 says, go give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that the scouts he found, that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living in the great walled town. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. We'll go to the next verse in a second, but I want to stop there. Give me the hill country. Give me the mountain. Just like we saw earlier, the first time Caleb speaks, and this is the last time that we hear Caleb speak, and he's saying the same thing. Give me the promised land. Let me go. Dog is an appropriate term because he's a dog in a cage and he's ready to be let loose on the world. He's ready to fight for God and his purpose. And the reason he's willing to fight is because he remembers the goodness of God. He remembers the faithfulness of God. And God proved to be faithful. Next verse on your outline, it says, Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. This is the second descriptor of Caleb's name. He is loyal and he is wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. It doesn't matter what the world calls, the world calls you. It matters what the God of the universe calls you. As I was reading this passage, I couldn't help but go back and think about Ephesians 2. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. You know why? Because it describes what God called us before he redeemed us. It says that we were dead in our sins. We lived in hostility towards God. We were enemies of God. And you know what God did? It says, but God, being rich in his mercy and his love, he redeemed us. He brought us to his own. And he says, you're going to be co-heirs with Christ. You're going to sit at the same table as Jesus Christ. And you're going to inherit the righteousness and the, the majesty. And the, you're going to inherit all of these things and get to experience the presence of God. And he gives us a new name. We are no longer enemies. We are friends. We are sons and daughters of the God most high. That is who God is. He's a God who rescues the broken and he gives us a new name and a new purpose. 
And so here's, here's kind of the question I want us to go to small groups with. This is what I want us to think about. What does God call you? Does he call you loyal and wholehearted, totally all in, sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ, sold out for his purpose, sold out for what he desires for you? Is that what he calls you? Or does he just call you, you're my child, but you barely made it. You're living your own life. You're doing your own thing. Or are you stuck in the first few verses of chapter two and are you still dead in your sins? and an enemy of God. We fall into one of those three categories. We're either an enemy of God, we're a friend of God, or we're living with our salvation and we're just not doing anything with it. We're like the people of Israel who continually rebel. And what God's saying is, I want you to be loyal. I want you to be wholehearted. I want you to pursue me with every bit of your being. I want you to pursue the God who saved you and was faithful to you. So what does God call you? How does he describe you? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you rescued me. I thank you that you saved me. You took someone that was an outsider and you brought them inside the family of God. God, I pray that as we go out tonight, we'll remember your goodness, we'll remember your graciousness, and we'll pursue you wholeheartedly, that we'll be loyal to you, and we'll do the things that you've called us to do. In your son's name, amen.